0: Hello world, my name is Pastor Queen Jackson. I'm co-pastor of 12 Wells of Elam, Missionary Baptist Church. Today we're going to discuss the SAGE report. Amen, and we're going to talk about a little bit about anxiety. I know that we all must be experiencing some anxiety in the light of our current events. Um, the coronavirus has shown up and a lot of institutions are falling apart or they're no longer looking like we are accustomed to them looking. 30 plus million people are unemployed. We can't sit down in our nice restaurants and have a meal with our family or significant other. If someone sneezes, it sends us into some kind of panic attack or Mm -hmm. um, there. There's a lot of fear and anxiety in our society right now, coupled with the protests that are going on in our streets and the uproar about the injustice. Um, This is spread all over the world. So we truly have two pandemics that we're trying to manage and process. The first pandemic is a medical pandemic where our bodies are attacked medically with a virus. The second pan- pandemic has, is, a, is years and years of injustice, injustice that not only the black race, but the brown race and the red race have experienced for hundreds of years. So God has brought us to this time and to this season, and we need to be mindful that God has brought us to this time. Nothing happens without God's ordaining it or without God's say-so. That in itself should give you some comfort. Amen. So I have two special guests, very special guests today, three really. I have Kamika Waters. And I have Elder Lorraine Stennett. I have Stokely Stennett as well. And we're just planning on having just a brief conversation to talk about the anxieties of this world and the things that are going on. So either one of my guests, feel free, if you want to um, introduce yourself or say something. If anything is on your heart, please.
1: I know for me, my mother could probably tell you, I really, if, if, if I don't have to, I really don't leave the house right now. Probably for the first time in a long time because of everything going on right now. And it's even worse now with all the police stuff because um, oh, you're I'm You're a black man. Yeah, exactly. And there were times that I got pulled over for no reason other than a black man in a nice car. Like she could tell you when I had my BMW and whatnot, Mm -hmm. it was maybe once, twice a month at least, (laughs) you know, just for no reason. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a lot of things that go into anxiety. And I've been one to say, you know, just talking to friends that black men in general have PTSD. Absolutely. Those blue lights come on and, and some of us will freeze. I'm to the point now where it's like, okay, if I know I didn't do anything, I try not to, you know what I'm saying? But when you look at the images and whatnot on TV, what just happened with George Floyd, you know, what happened with... Um,
2: Philando, Castile. Philando
1: Castile. And, I mean, Ahmad, we can keep going. Yes. Ahmad, Ar- Arba. You know, it's one of those things where um, that flashes through your mind every time you see blue light. You know what I mean? So I don't know exactly how that can be gotten over until there's, there's some actual tangible change. You know what I'm saying? So.
0: Well, I don't know whether, um, well, I don't know the um, God's process, but it can be fixed because God is in the mix, right? And so we, um, because God has exposed this um, not just to the U.S., but if you look, this is, the reason I call it a pandemic, um, um, as far as injustice is concerned, you look over in Germany, you look over in France, you look at Russia, I mean, it's all over the world. Um, The injustice has just been exposed. Mm -hmm. And so God used something very egregious uh, to wake us up and shake us Um, to a point of um, righteous indignation. Mm -hmm. The whole world right now has a righteous indignation to the injustice, systematic injustice, that has been going on for years and years and years and years. And what is happening is God is tearing the systems down. Now, the aftermath or what the system had put in place, all of us have to tear it down. Mm -hmm. It's an individual thing where we all have to do our part. The good news for the black man is that the white man has began to do some soul searching. Mm -hmm. And they began to not only do soul searching but they're looking at their own hearts. And God is causing them to stand up and say what is right, because this couldn't have happened far as long, except they be quiet. So um, it's not on you anymore, and, and you're absolutely right about the PTSD as far as men, but we black women have PTSD. We do, of course. Um, uh, the the injustice that happens on the jobs, Mm -hmm. the injustice that happens in schools. I mean, just because of the color of your skin, the black man has another layer Mm -hmm. because you black men pose a threat. They don't know how to um, process you and the fierceness and the power that is packaged in you. And so just the color of your skin unnerves someone. You don't have to open your mouth. If a man could be in a park bird watching mm-hmm. and send someone into um, a rage, so much so that she calls the police on him. God is, exp- but here's the thing. She's, she was exposed. Oh, right. And, and, and not by hearsay. Uh-uh. God put it on camera. Uh-huh. And he put it on camera because he wanted it to reach the world. Uh-huh. This is what's going on. So I'm absolutely convinced. I'm full of hope that God is is going to fix it. And we may be blessed enough to see him fix it in this season where your son, little Gavin, will be able to appreciate living a life when he steps out the door, he doesn't have to um, consider uh, that I'm a black man, so I've got to I gotta, uh, I, I gotta do things different. I, when I go to the store, when you go to the store, you have to do things a little bit different than right. when your white counterpart goes to the store. So all those, all those things, God's tearing it down. The Israelites were enslaved for over 400 years black man has um, been enslaved as far as injustice is concerned Mm -hmm. for over 400 years look what God did for the Israelites he took them from Egypt and took them to the promised land if he did it for one he'll do it for another Mm -hmm. amen so we need to be full of hope Mm -hmm. but we need to ride this wave Mm -hmm. and all of us need to do our part Amen. Amen.
1: Day to day being fearful, anxious, things of that sort can kind of stunt your your growth in many areas. You know what I'm saying? Because you might not want to like I know I went from having like having my BMWs to just going back to Nissan's and Honda's and whatnot just because I don't want to deal with that at work you take on more of a, a meek persona because you don't want to be perceived a particular way. Correct. Right? Yeah. So it's like, how do you portray the strength that your family needs from you? How do you keep yourself calm when you know people are either talking about you, s- against you. plotting against you, trying to stunt your growth.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it's, it's a lot.
0: It is a lot, but here's the thing. This is your guiding light. God's not the author of confusion. And uh, God knows exactly what's going on. And so if we trust God with our lives, with our fears, uh, the scriptures um, that God gave us are not just uh, for feel-good. They are for us to apply in our lives. He said to us, I didn't give you the spirit of fear. I gave you the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And so then, the anxiety um, that you're experiencing is sent by the adversary, um, presented by all the things that you have gone through, but it's sent by the adversary. And so when you get up, and I can talk to this spirit of fear, because there was a time I was too afraid to live and too afraid to die. That's a hard place to be in. You understand what I'm saying? But I learned this scripture, right? That God didn't give me the spirit of fear, but he gave me the spirit of love and and power, and he gave me a sound mind. Fear cripples, fear will paralyze you, it is designed to stop you from advancing. Because remember, uh, we are forward motion people. Right. God's people are. Fear is designed to keep you from going forward, right? right. But if we remember and write these scriptures in and when you go outside, God didn't give me the spirit of fear. He gave me the spirit of love. So when I encounter hate, love trumps hate all the time, right? So I'm going to walk away. I know they're talking about me, but guess what? God knows as well. God knows that they're talking about me. So um, it reminds me of a, a scripture. I think it was Hezekiah. Hezekiah, um, um, this, this, this king sent Hezekiah. King Shenacharib sent Hezekiah a very, very threatening letter. Uh-huh. And the letter told him, told Hezekiah, it was meant to scare him straight, right? The letter gave a chronicle of all the victories that Sennacherib, who was a really bad king, had accomplished. Every king that he had gone up against, he defeated them. And he said, and they had gods too. And their God couldn't stop me. So what he was saying was true. But he didn't factor that Hezekiah's God was the true and living God. And so, but Hezekiah got this letter, right? And so he took took the letter and put it out there for God. This is what the man is saying to me. God, I need you to read this. Did you see what Rib is saying? And so here's the thing. They are talking about you. They are plotting against you. But lay it out before God. The fear comes because you think you've got to do something about it. When you don't even have to lift a finger. I've won more battles keeping my mouth shut than I have putting myself in the middle of one. If I do what God tells me to do, he said the battle is mine, not yours, every battle that he sends me to, I come out victorious because I'm subservient to the word of God. And that's what we have to get. The anxiety is self-imposed because we lean more on the knowledge in the natural Than what God's word says Amen
1: Amen. Amen. So how do, how do we make it practical
0: Well I don't know how much more practical We can get We have to stay There's no getting around Having a relationship with God And that's how it happens So when you're dating, you then gain, and my husband and I was talking about this. I was telling, I was sharing with him that when he and I were younger and, and, and we, we were dating, so to speak, and I said I worried about nothing. I worried about nothing when I was around him because I'd gotten to know him. And I knew that he was going to take care of me come of high water. That's because I've established a relationship with him. And so th- to be practical about it, the- if we take the time to establish a relationship and get to know this invisible God that we serve, we can walk in that same kind of victory with that same kind of confidence because God will never fail anyone that has put their total trust in them.
2: So I, uh, I wanted to say that I have listened intently to um, people who are believers and um, they know the scripture and they quote it and then they say, I believe God for everything, but right now I am so tired of seeing what's going on out there and then the anxiety takes them and then anxiety becomes depression and then the, the depression kind of cripples them. How do you speak to someone like that? They believe in God, they've been praying, but they get to the, like uh, Pastor Taylor was listening to, he say, we know we're saved, we're not gonna lose our salvation but we're tired, we're at a boiling point. How do you address
0: that? Well, all of us get tired. Elijah, remember Elijah got tired. Mm -hmm. Elijah just said, Lord, I can't do it anymore. And this was after a really, really fierce battle, remember? Mm -hmm. Um, He just decided that I'm tired, I can't take no more, I don't want no more of this right here, it's too much. Mm -hmm. What did God do? God put him in a place mm -hmm. of rest. Mm -hmm. And then after he put him in a place of rest, he fed him. After he fed him, he sent him back to the battlefield. Amen? So when we're tired, what we need to do is retreat. Right? Get ourselves some rest. But while we're retreating, we need to feed ourselves the word of God. That's the only thing that's going to strengthen us. So when you're tired, and because God's going to move in his time, not ours. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting on God to do some things for me all my life. I just had a conversation with him just this morning. Mm-hmm. saying, said, Lord, I mean, uh, if you're going to do it, do it. If you're not going to do it, then let me know you're not going to do it. So I'll stop waiting on it. But God don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. Why? Because for everything, as Pastor Ralph taught last week, there's a season
2: mm-hmm.
0: and a time. God reserves the right mm-hmm. to expose that time when he wants to. If he told me that he was going to give me what I've been trusting him for, if he's going to give it to me next month, then all bets are off. I'm not going to do anything else. But my praying is, I'm through praying. Mm-hmm. I'm through fasting because I'm finally finna to get what I, I want, right? But God knows his creation, mm-hmm. And so some things he has to keep from us. But because he's keeping them, and when he's silent with us, doesn't mean he isn't listening, right? Mm -hmm. It means we need to increase our trusting, increase our faith. I understand tired. I'm sick and tired, you know? Mm -hmm. But at the same point, I still have to trust God. Mm -hmm. And that scripture uh, with Elijah, that was tri- is tired, that was tired, right? And when God showed me he, he allowed Elijah to rest, because God understands tired. When he created all of creation, he took him a rest. Mm-hmm. Am I right about it? Mm-hmm. Resting is good, mm-hmm. but getting out of the game isn't an option. Right. And giving up isn't an option. So we rest, we, we, we feed ourselves, refresh ourselves, and get back back in the game.
1: Persistence, you know, Clyde Clyde Frazier, Nick announcer, um, always used to say something, uh, you know, persistence personified, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. When they're playing, you know, playing through all Mm -hmm. the hurt, Mm -hmm. pain, Mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff. When you are tired, you're saying the best thing to do is is rest, but you still have to push through. It's like, you take a play off, but you don't necessarily come off the court. Correct. Right, okay.
0: Yeah, you take, you take time out. But when, um, I, I think we discussed this briefly in Sunday school this morning. Waiting is an action game. Yes, it is. Right? Mm-hmm. Waiting isn't um, something where you're doing nothing. Right. You're just doing something different while you're waiting. You're gotcha. praying and you're trusting. You're planning while you're waiting. Waiting, there's a lot that goes on with waiting. While I'm waiting, I, I, I remember um, the first house that do, um, we purchased. We had to, to become a homeowner, there are a lot of things that has to be in place, right? right. So while I was waiting to become a homeowner, you gotta get your credit straight. Right. You gotta get your down payment together. Mm-hmm. You gotta make sure that your, your, your job um, is, is firm. There are so many things, but I'm still waiting, right. right? But I'm doing a lot of things so that when God says, now is the time for you to purchase your home, I'll be ready. And so it came, the home, our first home that Pastor Ralph and I purchased, uh, we didn't go looking for it. It came looking for us. Right. We got up on a Sunday morning, and there it was in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Exactly what we were waiting on, right, but we were ready you You, you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Waiting is preparation uh, and so you're tired, but when you're tired i I know that around here since pastor Ralph and I um work from home these days um when we're tired we'll take away take we step away from those offices upstairs right and we we, we begin to do something different we looking. At a movie, but when we're looking at a movie, we are listening intently for our next sermon. Mm -hmm. So we're waiting, we're resting, but we're working. You understand what I'm saying? And so the key is you cannot, you can't come, no, you can't come off the court and you can't let the ball pass you. You got to keep the ball in play as you're
3: resting and waiting on your next move. So for me, during this pandemic, I haven't really experienced a lot of anxiety. I think just over the years of living, I've learned how to deal with all types of situations. So this wasn't any different than another situation that has came up. Um, The racist um, comments and the, the things that's happening every day I've already experienced it. So I'm glad now that um, people are starting to recognize and actually have the feelings that we, we have as a black community. I have all types of friends and they can't stand in my shoes and understand what we go through day to day. Um, I go to work, I've always been in a job where I may be the only Black person in my in my department. Mm-hmm. So not only do I have to be the smartest in my department, so that they won't even consider me being off the books. I right. mean, I, my job hasn't been threatened, right. but I over I overcompensate. I don't make mistakes. I over right. check everything. Right. Double check everything. Right. I increase my skills levels, I, I'm working from home, I take online classes, I make myself the best at what I can do to make sure that I'm in a sound position. I can't say someone of another race has to do that. Right. That's, that's a, a problem.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I don't think people recognize how us as a black person being. In a professional position, have to really, or oh, go overboard to to stay in a in a position where you can qualify for right. right. I'm overqualified. Right, right. That's
0: the law. That's that's the law of survival, especially for um, the black nation. Right. Um, it could be female um, or male that experience that kind of thing. Um, so, and then the other piece, if you're not overcompensating, then you are having to um, not yourself, expose
1: right, your intelligence
0: down. level uh-huh. because they'll then be threatened right. by how smart you are. Right,
1: uh-huh. I was I, because I was just going to piggyback off of what she said. Like, she can overcompensate, and it's not a problem. If I overcompensate, it's then it's an rough. issue. Uh-huh. You understand That's what I'm right. saying? That's exactly I right. I worked for six years, NCR, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say it was six, right? When I came in the door, I overdid everything, right? To watch people who were less qualified than me get positions over me, right? Mm-hmm. And then I had to take a step back and be like, okay, let me back off a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And then at that point is you're not performing like you did when you first came in. So what, how, do you, how do you find that balance? You understand what I'm saying? Or do you find a balance and leave? And then when you leave, now you have to
0: start all over
1: again. I put six years in.
0: Yeah, that's that's really um, um, a difficult one. I would say until God uh, finishes his process, um, for me, what works for me is I never really expose how smart I am, Your um, level. I go in giving only half of what I can give and as I get comfortable I give a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more um, that way um, if you do it that way because once you get up to here they're gonna scatter your name's gonna be mud but you need to be on a good footing With someone within the organization, right, Um, and even then, you may not get what you deserve Mm
2: -hmm. because you're black.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. I I know this. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the work of three levels above me Mm -hmm. right now today. But God sent me to that job for a reason, and I have to look at. Uh, I'm not talking about ministerial stuff. That job has enabled me to accomplish a lot for uh, with the partner with my husband for us and for the church. So um, although I'm not getting what I deserve from there, I'm getting everything I need from heaven. Right. And so, and so that's, we, it's a matter of perspective, and it's a matter of, and it goes, still goes back to trusting God and knowing that he's in, he's in control. It, 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 trust
1: in God is easy. Mm. It, it's, it's one of the it's, most
0: it's, difficult things I've ever
1: done. What, I, okay, so I guess when I say it's easy, is you, you know what God can do, right? But when you're in the fire, you're like, man, this is hot. And I, hot. I need to get here, right? So it, I, I think it's more or less our patience as so, human beings.
0: So, so here's the thing. Here's the dilemma. Uh, and, and here's the difference of what you said. Knowing God and trusting God are two, two different things. Okay. different things. You know when you trust God, when everything is snatched from you, right? There's no solid ground up under you, and you're still looking up to him. That's when you know you trust him. You know you trust God when you're standing on a ledge, and he's telling you to step off. That's when you know that you trust God. Now, knowing who he is, he put the knowledge of himself into everyone that he created. Right, right. So, so we got to be really, really careful uh, uh, about. I know what he can do. All of us know what he can do. Uh-huh. But when the rubber meets the road, can we trust, trust him in our him. own? Can situation? we trust him with our own situation? Right. Uh-huh. And you'll hear me say time and time again when I'm praying. Father, I trust you with my fears and with my aspirations because we like to hope in God and give him the things we want, but we need to be careful to give him the things we don't want, the fears that, that haunt us at night. You know what I'm saying? And, so, and that's when you know you, 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 you can trust him. And you give them everything. You give them both sides of the spectrum. I hope that uh, makes sense. It mm-hmm. does. There are times when I
2: get anxious, not for me, but my anxiety is for my children. Because when all of this stuff break out, my youngest son, Justin, lives in, in, in Virginia, in Virginia mm-hmm. and I call him, <laughs> you know, where are you? I'm at home, Mommy, where are my grandsons? they're right here with me. Do you have to go anywhere? So even if he's not anxious, and I'm anxious, I transfer my anxiety you do? to him and not just to him, but to Stokely and yeah. to Stephanie, because yes. we are calling around, yes. you know, making sure that, yes. that they're doing okay. Yes. So even as a seasoned Christian, the anxiety is there until God tells you now. You can't do nothing, because that's, that's what God told me. You can't do nothing about where he is, you're seven hours away. There's nothing you can do, so you just got to trust, leave him to me, and trust. And that's when you say, "Okay, God, I do trust," and you take your anxiety level down. But I'm a seasoned Christian. What about the person that is a a young Christian, just maturing? How do you speak to them?
0: Well, um, someone spoke to you before you got to there, right? Um, Me being a single parent um, when, um, before I met my husband, and I'm certain um, Kamika can speak to this as well. Now that was one of my anxieties, um, um, great anxiety for me when um, I was a single parent um, and and worried about my son who was, um, I was raising him here in Atlanta when all these children were disappearing. Or being murdered Murdered. Uh And him being an outgoing person I mean he would leave home And I wouldn't see him until the evening time Kind of thing And so um, I I had to learn um, Because I would be shaken With fear This is as a young woman Right But God puts wisdom Around you for that reason, it was my next-door neighbor sat me down, and she, she had the conversation with me about the importance of trusting God. Mm-hmm. It was very liberating for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to sleep at night, and I understood that I couldn't put him in a box mm-hmm. to know where he was at all the time. And so, and one of the things she told, you're raising a man-child. And a man-child has to be free. Because he's growing up to be a man. If you were raising a little girl, your approach would be different. Mm -hmm. You need to know where she's at all the time. Mm -hmm. But a man-child is going to go in the woods, and John did. (laughs) A man-child is going to go swimming in a pond, and John did. The things that he would do would unnerve me Mm -hmm. um, when he came back home and said all the neat stuff he was so excited about sharing that he did. So then he went away to college and um, I worried about him being away at college. But then there's something that clicked in me Mm -hmm. where God says, I got him. Mm -hmm. I gave him to you. He doesn't belong to you Mm -hmm. anyway. He belongs to me. And when God showed me that he didn't really belong to me, I was able to turn him loose because I dare not touch anything mm-hmm. that belongs to the master. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah, it does. Uh, um, what I was thinking is that all, because of what's happening with all of these young black men, they leave home and some of them don't go back home, you know, so you kind of have or to. Or they go
1: home in a casket.
2: Are to go home in the casket. That is right. So, it, it brings a level of um, anxiety to young mothers because you can tell them, well, you can trust God, but
1: old ones too. You the same way. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, the old one, older ones too. But uh, young mothers more so than us and single parent too. It, it, it's for me. It, it's it's it's. I can just imagine what they go through.
0: Yeah, you can only imagine, and, and then you still won't be able to capture it, because as right. a single parent, mm-hmm. um, you have the burden of mother and father mm-hmm. on you, and uh, there's an element of fear, because every decision that is made about that child rests upon you, mm-hmm. and so if you were sharing the decision, uh, you have a, a little bit more comfort with it, but the grades the the health, everything about that child is on your shoulder and so as a single as a single parent, the dynamics are entirely different, and unless you walked in those shoes, um I'm sure um, Stokely, you can appreciate that um, it's It's something that I'm glad God only. Uh, that single parent thing only lasts a few years. for a few years <laughs> yes. because it's, it's enough to give you literally a nervous breakdown. Um, this is in the natural realm, right? Um, I don't see how um, you are a single parent and not have a relationship with God. Um, I don't see how you do it um, because had it not been for my faith, I literally would have lost my mind had it not been for my faith when the lights go out and you and your child are the only one in the house and you're alone and it's a mean, ugly world out Mm -hmm. there. Not only um, are there predators for the child, but there are predators for you. And so the dynamics are so great um, as a single parent that, and, and the anxiety has to be off the roof for single moms and single dads today that are raising children in this environment. I raised a child and it wasn't half as bad as it is today, although um, John had one of those experiences with the cops and I'm certain all of us have an experience uh, that we can recount uh, about the injustice, mm-hmm. um, just because of the, of the color of our skin, and so, um, and, and the near misses, but um, in the natural I call them near misses, but in the spirit I know God kept them, right. and God blocked mm-hmm. you know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, we still, I said it at the beginning, you cannot get around if you don't want to live in the spirit of fear, you can't get around the relationship with God. You can't.
2: You need a relationship with God. And so I, this, uh, I'm thinking that th- it's very important then for us to reach that group of young people or young adults or millennials as you call them, and if they're not, close to God now is a time for them to draw close because they need that that cushioning exactly that person to you know that personal relationship with God to cushion all the cause um, they, with the the um, what Floyd and sometimes God uses situations because I listened to his six year old daughter. And she said something that was really profound. Nobody knew anything about her daddy, but now her daddy's changing the world. It's powerful. That was very. When she, she said, "My said daddy changed, changed the world.
0: world, and he did. He did. God wow. used him to
2: bring out the consciousness. Exactly yeah.
0: to bring this kind of stuff to the forefront, mm. which is the reason um, Twelve Wells is having this conversation." we are specifically looking for those that are lost, those that need wisdom because when you look at 12 wells, God has placed wisdom upon wisdom upon wisdom in that church and so it's now the foundation is there and now we have to go and get those that need us. Mm -hmm. Go get the single mom that needs to know that God's gonna take care of you. Go get the single dad um, that needs to know how to raise a child and still keep your manhood. Those, I mean, we are specifically looking for the lost and those that wanna try something different. We wanna offer them Jesus, try Jesus. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen.